This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in Stinking Truth Podcast. Uh, Mike Evans, Mark Schlereth, Scott the Hub producing the show. Got a great show for you today as far as I know because Mike's got it all laid out over there. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing, but this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. Follow us along. Yeah. If you want to sponsor the show, uh, be my guest. Um, but we don't have any. We're not making any money on this. You guys suck. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you guys. All right. So we move on. Mike, how are you, buddy? Well, with that uh, desperate plea uh, thrown out there. Uh, I haven't really been working on trying to get sponsorship. Uh, I apologize. Let's, let's get on to the business of, uh, other of this, stuff of this podcast. Yeah. There's uh, plenty of talk. All right. Let, can, can we start with that, that game Monday night? I mean, it was... It was fantastic to watch. One of the better Monday night games we've seen in, in some time. Um, I, how does Seattle do it? I mean, because I think for a lot of people who are looking at the standings today and they're looking at the NFC, I think the idea that there's Seattle at 8-2 and two probably catches a lot of people like off guard. I, you know, it's funny. I'm, I was doing this podcast, the Seattle podcast. Brock Hewer does a podcast in Seattle, and he's like, you know, we're talking. This is a couple of weeks ago. He goes, we're six and two, and we're talking about this team like we're two and six. Like that's that's the Seattle Seahawks. But interestingly enough, Mike, I mean, there's several things that set them apart. One, obviously, their quarterback. Right? How do you need me to help you win this game? Because whatever it is you need me to do, I'll do it. Do you need me to hand it off fifty times a game? I'll do it. You need me to throw it fifty times a game? I'll do it. You need me to scramble around, make plays, I'll do it. You need me to take off and run, I'll do it. Whatever it takes. You know, talking to Russell Wilson, I've had a chance over the last two years to meet with him on several different occasions as I've done quite a few Seattle games. You know, He always talks about his dad and just kind of the process of becoming an NFL quarterback. And one of the things he always talks about is his dad used to say, you know, people remember winners. They don't remember statistics. They remember winners. And Russell loves Derek Jeter. And he's like, one of the things about Derek Jeter is he's just a winner. People love that. And he goes, so I'm concerned with winning. That's what I'm concerned with. I'm not concerned with MVP stats. I'm not. He, and, and he truly, he, when you sit down and talk to him, man, he's a very thoughtful kid. And he's an exceptional winner. And that's what he does. And, and I think, you know, from the, the standpoint of, there's some guys that want to win in this league, but they want to win as long as they have statistics. And I just don't really think he gives a shit. He gives zero shits about the stats at the end of the day. What he cares about is, did we get a win or, you know, or did we get a loss? And it's interesting because, you know, Pete Carroll has this philosophical approach. The year they won the Super Bowl, Pete told me they had nine games that came down to like, Overtime or the final drive, they were all close one-score games, right? They all came down to kind of the final, the final drive. Nine, nine ga- maybe nine wins 
in that Super Bowl win, 2013. You can look it up, but it was something of that nature that he referred to. He said, I put a clip of all those nine games together and showed our team. And he said, here's the deal. You don't learn anything about yourself in blowout wins. Blowout wins don't mean anything to me. It's winning the tough games. It's winning the close games. It's, it's like winning is infectious, so is losing. Learning how to win, learning how to compete, learning not to step up your game in those tough situations, but just to play your game in those tough situations, not to fold, not to, you know, get over anxious, not trying to do more than your job in those tough kind of critical situations. And that's what sets the Seattle Seahawks apart. And, you know, you can sit there and say, hey, statistically this and statistically that. And, you know, and and you can make all kinds of arguments for guys when it comes to MVP voting and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is where are the Seattle Seahawks as a football team without Russell Wilson playing quarterback? Where are they? What are they? I mean, it's when you think about most valuable player, you know, it's not the most valuable statistician. It's not the most, like to me, who means more to their team than Russell Wilson? And I think right now, if you made an argument, I mean, you have Russell Wilson probably at the top. Lamar Jackson would be right there with you. Maybe Christian McCaffrey, considering, you know, the quarterback situation that's going on there in Carolina. But um, I don't know that there's anybody really more valuable than than Russell Wilson. Am I... Uh... Am I overreacting, you know, as we tend to do when we go week to week, game to game in the NFL? Am I overreacting and saying, boy, the 49ers Achilles heel was exposed and it's Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I think, I mean, one, I think Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes is one of those guys because of the enormous contract they paid him. You you have to understand that Jimmy Garoppolo still has less starts than Baker Mayfield, which is you know, legitimately hard I think to believe. He just right? started his was it, he's basically only around twenty Seven, starts, like isn't seventeen he? or something like that. Yeah. So I think there's still some learning curve there. But here's the deal: Jimmy Jimmy's going to make three or four plays that are going to win you a game, but he's going to make three or four plays that can cost you a game in every game. And the point being is that when the Niners run the ball exceptionally well and set up their play action, they're going to win games. That's just the way it is. But there is going to be that game where people shut them down. There is going to be that game where it's not a favorable matchup. There is going to be that game where they don't play as well as an, as an offense. There is going to be that game like last night, Monday night, where you've got the best tight end in football and George Kittle that's out. And I'm talking about the most complete tight end. I'm talking about his ability to run block, his ability to motion out of the backfield, his ability to line up in line, his ability to be split out and catch the ball, run routes, the toughness. I mean, Kittle is, is in my mind, the best in, in football. You mi- you're minus him. You you lose Emmanuel Sanders in, in the first half, I believe, um, the guy you traded for who's your most dynamic wide receiver. And there's going to come that time when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to ask to be asked to throw it 45 times. And do those mistakes that he consistently makes when he's throwing it 28 times, do those mistakes multiply and cost them a football game? And, and you know, they still had a chance to win. They missed like a 47-yard field goal in overtime to, to win that game. So, you know, you still you still could have easily won that game. But the bottom line is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to play cleaner football. 
Um, for them to win a world championship, they've got to be exceptional in doing what they do. Their defense and Robert Sala, I, I, I think that guy's going to be a head coach pretty soon. But, you know, their defense is exceptional. They've built a great defense. They've got a great system. He's a believer in keep it simple, stupid. Um, they've got great players. They've done a really good job of building that football team. But there's going to come a time when Jimmy Garoppolo has got to play clean and win you a game. And last night he had a chance to do that, and and that wasn't, you know, it just wasn't. He, he completed about 50% of his passes. It wasn't. It just wasn't good enough last night from him. You know, when the game was over and they show the updated standings, it I mean, obviously I knew, but it's still seeing it on the screen kind of was like, whoa. It's almost like a little bit of a slap in the face. It kind of caught me off guard seeing Seattle 8-2, and two, San Francisco 8-1, and one, and then the Rams at 5-4. and four. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, what's wrong with the Rams? Right. Yeah. How, how, I mean, we know based on past history that the teams that lose in the Super Bowl tend to struggle. We always talk about the difficulty of the team winning the Super Bowl. If there's a if there's a hangover, it tends to be for the team that loses the Super Bowl. Right. But still I it's kind of shocking to see where the Rams are at. You know the the Rams the Rams were under Sean McVay in their first couple of years, they were a smash mouth fo- football team. Smash mouth football team that was disguised as a spread football team. That's what they were. Um, and you know, they did it all out of 11 personnel, but man, they just bludgeoned you. I mean, they bludgeoned you. I had one coach tell me, he was one coach tell me that, Hey, we know the Rams better than they know themselves. And it's really interesting what happened. You know, it's so, it's so funny, Mike, you think, you know, we got to spend money on this corner and we got to spend money on you know, this wide receiver, and we got to spend money on this running back, and we got to spend money on this quarterback, and we got to spend money, you know, on the periphery, you know, the quote unquote skilled players, right? And what we'll do is we'll scrimp over here and we'll save some money. We don't want to pay Roger Saffold, who's, you know, had some injury issues, but is one of the best guards in football. We don't want to pay him. So we'll let him go, and we'll make do because we're really good, and we're dynamic, and we got a young quarterback, and we've got a running game, and we've got some young receivers, and we're getting Cooper Cup back, and he's a big key to our offense. And, you know, we're going to be fine. And, hey, our starting center in, in John Sullivan retires, but we'll be okay. we got a young kid that we like, and we know he hasn't played. And it's amazing just from a continuity standpoint. Two players on their offensive line were exchanged, right? Two guys left. Two-fifths of your offensive line gone. And then you start thinking about John Sullivan, who's played forever in this league, and a guy that helped designate protection and change protection and put them in the right, you know, put them in the right format and took that pressure off their quarterback. Now all of a sudden, that's one more thing their quarterback has to be. Not that he wasn't in tune with it, but it's nice, you know, it's nice when you walk up the line of scrimmage and everybody's on the same page. And you all see the same thing. You say, hey, man, no, 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 54. Let's go to 56. Let's go 56 is the mic. Let's change it. You know, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the quarterback doesn't know. It's just one more thing on his plate that now he has to be in charge of. Right. And when you're a young quarterback, there's a lot of shit on that plate. Right. It's like, have you ever gone to your summer kind of uh, like your summer barbecue? Right. And they had chintzy play. I know you have. Right. And they, they you give the chintzy little plates, right? And you try to load up 
And, and you're like, oh, but I want fried chicken. Oh, my God, but the barbecue chicken. Ooh, the potato salad looks great. I got to have some of that, right? I've got to have – and the next thing you know, your plate is just like it's busting, and then all of a sudden – Half of it flops over and wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Right, and your potato salads on the, you know, on your shoes, and you're like, you gotta be kidding me. These are new shoes, right? Now I got potato salad on my shoes, and everybody knows when you got potato salad on your shoes, you're like the fat kid, right? Look at the fat kid with potato salad on his shoes. Everybody knows, like everybody knows, you got a problem. Instead of the big, thick, hefty, like just the, you know, the the plates that are like made out of cardboard, like you could build a house out of these damn things, right? Then you can just load the plate up. Well, you, you keep loading crap on a young quarterback's plate, and eventually part of it breaks off. And so they got away from what they've been, which is a smash-mouth, downhill, wide-zone, cut-back football team that is just going to bludgeon you into submission and then going to get the one-on-one matchups on the outside, and it's going to be easy reads for the quarterback. And, and they have gotten away from doing that, and, you know, you see the end result. They're sitting at five and four. They got problems on their offensive line. They can't run the ball or they choose not to run it. Like, I don't know why, like Todd Gurley the other day in a game that's tight and Pittsburgh doesn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. Like, what the, what the hell is that all about? With an offensive line that you know can't pass protect, that's going to have some struggles? Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny because you talk about the whole idea of keep it simple, stupid. And offensive identity, knowing what, what you are, staying staying with what works. And I look at a team like Minnesota, and, and I know you're already smiling about this mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, here in Denver, you know, a lot of the Broncos' offensive woes for a lot of fans are blamed on Gary Kubiak. Well, you know, archaic offense. It's right. 20 years. That may have worked in the 90s, but it doesn't work now. Right. And so... I'm watching the Vikings Cowboys game on Sunday and I'm I'm just kind of laughing cuz I know you're watching and you're just like, you know, like in glee, gleefully watching this because in in a game that they went on the road, they run the ball 36 times, they pass it 32 times, and after falling behind 21-20, they answer with like a 13-play, 75-yard drive where like 10 of the 13 plays were runs, including the last four in a first-and-goal-to-go situation. And that's the Gary Kubiak offense. Right. You know, heartily endorsed by Mike Zimmer. But, I mean, but it, it's not just it's not just a throwback offense. It, it's an offense that is that, that many of these offenses today that are supposedly cutting-edge and revolutionary and new-age – it's all rooted in that. It's yeah, it's the nuanced part of the offense that, you know, that quote unquote sets you apart. But let me just tell you, and, and you know, I'm a believer, but let me just tell you, running the ball, dictating in run situations, physically engulfing people, imposing your will, that will never go in and out of style. You can either do that or you can't. You know, I used to get grief all the time from Philly fans back in the day um, when, uh, you know, when Chip Kelly ran the show or whatever, and you had a guy like Shady McCoy who led the league in rushing and the, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles were, you know, one of the top two or three teams in running the football, averaging 130 yards a game or whatever it was. And, 
And I'd get on TV and go, well, they don't know how to run the ball. And people, are you kidding me? They're, they're number one in the league and running the ball. Right? And I'm like, yeah, on third and six, you pop a 40-yard drive or 40-yard you know, draw because Shady McCoy makes four people miss. That That's not knowing how to run the ball. Knowing how to run the ball is when you have first and goal from the five-yard line, you run it four freaking times, and, and on fourth and one, you shove it down somebody's gullet. That's going, hey, we're going to run this regardless. You know we're going to run it. We know we're going to run it. Show me a team in the red zone that can say, because, you know, I always, I always find this fascinating. When you're talking about red zone football, Okay, you're talking about the passing game in the red zone. You got to kind of attack the seams or you got to attack the fade on the outside. Here's the deal. Red zone football, you can spread people east and west. You can't spread them north and south in the passing game. You can't layer. It's really hard to layer routes because a guy can be sitting at five yards depth and he can take a step and a half and he's at the back of the end zone defending a pass. So there's so much less room from a north and south perspective that you have to spread people east and west. So I always find this fascinating. When coordinators or head coaches feed you as fans a line of bullshit, and the line of bullshit is, oh, well, they had an eight-man box, and we're just not going to bang our heads against the wall. You know, we're going to throw it. I mean, how many times have you heard that bullshit? How many times? Can't run against a loaded box. Oh, can't run against a loaded box. I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? But when you get into the red zone, you know what you're facing 100% of the time? A loaded box. The safeties are playing with their heels at about seven yards depth. So you're always running against a loaded box. So you damn well better learn how to run against a loaded box. You better understand it. And you better have a plan to do it. And when somebody loads the box, you can't just go, oh, we're going to throw it every time. No. You know what you got to say? Go ahead and load the box. I'm still going to shove it down your fucking throat. Now what? Excuse my French. Like, you've got to be able to do that. You have to. And Gary Kubiak and the Minnesota Vikings can do it. And oh, by the way, you want to talk about, you know, ghosts, right? We had the Sam Darnold. I'm seeing ghosts. Well, how about Kirk Cousins? Here's a guy, can't win in prime time, can't win against a team with a winning record, can't this, can't that, can't this, goes to Dallas on a Sunday night, the only game in town, right? It's the only game on TV. Everybody and their brother's uncle's watching it. Al and Chris Collinsworth are doing it, right? 23 of 32, 71.9% completion percentage, 220 yards, two TDs, no picks, sacked one time against one of the best pass rushing units in all of football. Oh, you think that coach understands? Hey, Dalvin Cook, 26 attempts, 97 yards, only averaged 3.7 yards carry. Most coaches in the league will say, hey, we're not averaging 4.5 yards carry, man. we got to stop running the ball. We can't get that done. Uh-uh, no. We understand. Like, great pass protection teams are great pass protection teams because their coaches understand plays and play sequencing and how to take pressure off their quarterback. All right, so what's old is still new in regards to Gary Kubiak and what the Vikings are doing and other teams are doing. Mm -hmm. But what's new is new and continues to be effective, and that's Baltimore. And you... Coined the phrase. Well, they coined the phrase. You shared it with everybody. Right. Revolution Baltimore. 
the revolution continues, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How about John Harbaugh? You know, they were actually, there was conversations about John Harbaugh getting fired last year. Oh, real. Very real. Real conversations. Very real. Did you see what John Harbaugh said to his quarterback yeah, on the cool. sideline? That was cool. I mean, you want to talk about... Well, what did he say? He said... Okay, so I'll give you. I'll just give you part of the quote here, okay? Because I have it somewhere. So if you just bear with me, go ahead and bear. It was basically something along the lines no, of, it, "Hey, just twenty on. years from now, millions of kids are going to be wearing eight jerseys because of you." Right, right. He says, um, "Hold on, this is fun. This is people love this. Okay, this is, yeah. All right, this Two, is work getting done." Head coach John Harbaugh talks to Lamar Jackson about his leadership. He says, "You've changed the game." You know how many kids in this country are going to be wearing number eight jerseys and playing quarterback for the next 20 years? You've done that. These guys respond, and I'm paraphrasing now, to your leadership. They love you. You're smart. You like, like. There's a reason that John Harbaugh wouldn't last two minutes on the open market. Because his players will play for him. And you think about 31 other teams looked at Lamar Jackson and said, no, ain't going to make it. And I was a skeptic, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic, right? Like, oh, come on, it's not traditional. It's not the way things are done. And he would have failed in 31 other markets, probably, most likely, because they wouldn't have put him in a position to accentuate his skills. The best part of coaching, and I say this about the New England Patriots all the time, the best thing you can do as a coach is develop a player and put them in positions to win, right? Accentuate the strengths, minimize the weaknesses. What can you do? Not interested in what you can't do. Right. What can you do? And there there is this culture, like great leaders and great companies, find out what you can do and then put you in a position to do it. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my father about this. Now, my dad, Herb, Poolside. Poolside. Poolside has had a State Farm insurance company. He's one of the biggest State Farm agents in all the West Coast, in Anchorage, Alaska, 54 years. 54 years been agent. He's 80 years old, shows up, to, he goes to work every day. He's in the office every single day. Every person on his staff was fired from somebody else's staff. Because there was something that they didn't do well. So he's like, I have one person on my staff that is horrible when it comes to calling, cold calling new new business. Horrible. Just gets anxious, can't speak, is hor- just horrible. And that particular person was fired because they couldn't cold call. That wasn't their skill set. But he said, that particular person is my number one salesperson when it comes to reviewing accounts and saying, hey, man, you're lacking in this form of insurance. Like, you need an umbrella policy. You need this. You need to add this. This may be something you want to think about. We can combine these three things, save you some money, right? Phenomenal. The best we have in, the, in our office at that. Just can't make the cold calls. So you know what? I don't ask that particular person to make cold calls. I let them generate more business with the existing accounts. They don't have a problem calling people that are already doing business with us. And I let somebody else in the office solicit new business. 
That's just being a smart leader. That's being a smart business person. And the great coaches have an ability to look at what your skill set is and say, hey, you know, I know you can't do X, Y, or Z, but you know what? You're really good at A, B, and C. And so I'm just going to put you in position to do A, B, and C for us. And we're going to win a lot of games because of that. John Harbaugh saw an opportunity to put the league on its ear. And John told me, he said, listen, a new passing concept has not come out in this league in the last decade and a half. Just hasn't. He goes, but we're putting together an offense that nobody's ever seen in this league. And every week we've got new concepts that they have to defend that they've never seen. They've never seen them. He goes, we have concepts We have concepts that we haven't unleashed for week 16, week 17 playoffs. Things that we're holding back on, that we've worked on, that we've drilled, that we've run, that nobody's ever seen before. That we're just waiting. And every week we'll add a wrinkle and every week we'll add something. But like the bottom line is we're creating a situation that you've never had an opportunity to defend it. And oh, by the way, in a league now where you can't put on pads and you can't practice and you can't work on that stuff, how are you supposed to work on defending that offense? How are you supposed to work on defending a, a guy that's as dynamic athletically as Lamar? You can't. And to his credit, he's become a much better passer. But again, Greg Roman has put him in positions to succeed as a passer. He's not asking him to do a bunch of things that he can't do. So that that, that part of it, you want to talk about football and brilliance, which I always say are mutually exclusive events, that part is brilliant. Understanding what your guys' strengths are and, and leaning on those. Well, finish with this. Uh, is John Gruden showing his brilliance? Can the oh Oakland my. Raiders win this division? How about it? I mean, they're a playoff team right now. They're 5-4. and four. They're sitting at 5-4. and four. As you've so astutely pointed out over the years to me on our own radio program, tied in the loss column with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 6-4. and four. It's the all-important loss column. Right, the all-important loss column. It's all that matters. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, t- I'm telling yeah, they can't. And think about their matchup with Kansas Have they played Kansas City yet? I don't even know what they're, I don't know. I think they did. I think you're, you're right. You're right. I, I did that. I, I I remember watching that game. I remember Kansas City had like four 40 yard touchdowns in the second quarter, and they and they ended up losing the game like some twenty eight to twenty or twenty eight to sixteen or something like that. I, but I remember the second quarter. There was a twenty eight point explosion in the second quarter. Um, but yes, you are correct. They did play them once in Kansas City, as I recall. So um, it was like week two, Mike. Are you efforting that? Are you looking at that? No. Oh, you're just looking at your phone. Just look at other stuff. You just were bored with what I was talking about, <laughs> so you're just looking at your phone. It's like you're like my my daughter sitting at. The, I was like, my, how am I going to gracefully end this? Yeah, you're like my daughter sitting at the at the. You know what I love to ask my daughter? You want you you want to put this in your repertoire for your own kids, right? So my youngest daughter will be sitting at dinner or whatever, right? And she's looking at her phone like Instagram, right? And we're all sitting there having a family dinner, and she's looking at her Instagram. And so one of the things I love to say, I say it all the time, is what are people you don't know doing right now? As opposed to connecting with the people that you do know at this dinner table, right? What are the people you don't know doing right now? Uh Because that's really important, right? Now, I'm guilty too, but, you know, I make sure I put my phone away before I do it.
That way that, it makes me look like a hero. In that atmosphere, you're Papa Schlereth. That's right. You're, you're the, the Mac That's Daddy. Right. Okay? So what are people you don't know doing right now? I am. I was actually just kind of looking at the uh, rest of the schedule for Oakland uh-huh. versus Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it's <laughs> especially after what I saw from Kansas City the other day. Right. I mean, this is a team that had Patrick Mahomes back. He picked right up where he left off. But they got gashed again. They got gashed again by Tennessee. Uh-huh. Nobody's offensive juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I guess it's a it's a two-pronged question. A, is Oakland for real? B, just how vulnerable is Kansas City right now? Yeah, you weren't expecting the two-pronged question. No, there. I was not. See, I, now, I, now, now who's a little bit caught off guard? 28-10, to 10, week two. Okay. Was the was the loss. So I did your work for you right Thank there. Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah, one, I, I will tell you that the Oakland the Oakland Raiders won. They they can run the ball and I've seen them. I've had a, a couple of their games. I had one against Minnesota where they got throttled, but I had one in Chicago uh, in London against Chicago where they absolutely bludgeoned the Chicago Bears up front. That was their Hey, They're, we're for real performance. Yeah, that, w- that that was, and you know, the other thing that did is expose Chicago. Yep, that was the the game that exposed Chicago and and said to the rest of the world, like once they lost Hakeem Hicks, Chicago did injury wise. It showed the rest of the world that hey, man, if we're good at the point of attack with our double teams, the cutback run, the tight and wide zone stuff is really a viable option away from the you're like. Uh, two and two and away from the double team. So um, it was one of those things that they exposed people. But you look at what they're doing right now. Gabe Jackson, outstanding. Rodney Hudson on the inside as the center is outstanding. Um, Richie Incognito is is playing great football right now for them. He's a physical beast. Uh, there are two tackles. Colton Miller's playing great. Trent Brown is is you know just a big physical kind of mauler at the right tackle position. Um, can they go to Kansas? Well, they already played. I think they played in Kansas City. No, they, they played at home. Oh, they, they played, played Kansas. Home. They, they, so their upcoming schedule: home against Cincinnati at the Jets. Uh huh. Then at Kansas City. Yeah. Home against Tennessee. Home against Jacksonville. And then they finish up at the Chargers. And then Dude, here in can, Denver, they can win. They can win this division. They could win this division. They could definitely win this division. That because the one thing about Kansas City, I mean, look at what Mahomes did. He threw for four hundred some odd yards, didn't he, and four touchdowns, and still lost a game. Like one thing about Kansas City, when you watch them play, Mike, I don't know that there's anybody who has more forty plus yard touchdowns than the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't take time. You hear that? I fought it. <laughs> but your ability to just keep going. I know. Like it was no big deal. I was gassy. That was just well done. Keep Thank going. Thank you. Anyway. Anywho. So ba- their ability to blow 40 yarders all over the place. I mean, they're just, they, I mean, they're an explosive. Their offense blows heat. Yeah, they're explosive. <laughs> In their ability to create big time plays, I mean, boom! They just—I uh, tell you what—they'll blow people out with that kind of stuff. <laughs> so that's what they do. But you control the clock, you control the time possession, you run the football like the Tennessee Titans. You're going to be in in games even in Kansas City, you know. So I mean, they can blow right through that defense. That's right. Right. Like poop through a goose. Like poop through a goose. There you go. I can think of no better way to end it, Lynn, yeah. than on that note. That was amazing. You just, 
I think most normal people would kind of like, whoa, you know, they look around, they right. stop, they lose, uh, or their they training. try to edit this this, this podcast, out? right, right. But hey, no. can you take that fart out of the podcast? No. We're gonna leave that in there. No, just leave it in there. Yeah, just leave it in there. It's all right. <laughs> just because, man, you just didn't keep going. Yeah. I mean, the ability to multitask. Hey, sometimes you fart. <laughs> I'm really fat, too, by the way. That's probably why I'm so farty. Because <laughs> I'm super fat. I've been Are you eating. like 270? I got to be close. Yeah. I got to be I got to be close to 270. You're zeroing right? in on your playing weight, aren't you? I'm only, shoot, I'm 50. If I'm 270, 15? I'm 15 pounds away from strapping it up. Let's go. If I could get a knee replacement. Back replacement, shoulder, elbow replacement. You could play. I could play. (laughs) Dispense some justice. There's no question about it. I guarantee you I'm strong as anybody playing right now. Country strong. Well, maybe. Yeah, no, I am. I am. I'm I'm, I'm ridiculously strong. (laughs) Now that I think about it. And humble. And super humble. And humble. (laughs) And humble. Super humble. Um, Wouldn't you love to be part of a podcast that expresses this kind of humility every week? Yeah. Join us. Join us, May, will hey, you? You know what? Uh, the Sinking Truth Podcast brought to you by Gas X. <laughs> that's for free. That's yeah. free. That's for the free, Gas X people. <laughs> why all right. Do all you- <laughs> why do they call you stink? I don't know, because I crap my pants during the podcast. <laughs> hey, for everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, um, uh, stay classy.